This is an Urbanarium City Talk, a podcast for city lovers. Episode two is Building Atlantos, shifting from consumers to creators, Black youth in the fourth place. A conversation with Ethos Lab moderated by Ahiri Stanford Asio, an engineer on the mixed reality team at Microsoft Vancouver. Antonia Ngundele, the founder of Ethos Lab, who has just launched Atlantos, an Atlantis-themed, Afro-futurist-inspired virtual space made by and for youth, and myself, Amy Nugent, Executive Director of Urbanarium, talk about technology and space integration, the role of digital infrastructure in the future of city making, and the power of co-creation in the fourth place. Let's begin. Antonia, you have uh, you've talked uh, about uh, the role that Ethos Lab uh, has in creating a place where digital and physical spaces interact, and you also uh, recently wrote an opinion piece for Urbanarium's online journal about the fourth place, um, and it really captured my imagination. But a lot of people aren't familiar with what this means. What is the fourth place? <laughs> What a great, what a great place to start again. Thank you so much for having me here to talk about it. And I'll just say just off the off the top around Ethos Lab, we had endeavored to create a third place for young people. And I'll talk a bit about that. But what COVID um, highlighted and as well as thinking about um, creating spaces that acknowledge the technological reality that young people are in, the fourth place stands out as as this as a concept that actually should be named. So for those that are on the call, um, urban planners that might be in the room as well are familiar with the concept of the third place. And that usually is that space that's between home, which is your first place, work and school might be your second place. And then the third place is your, um, is, is the place where you hang out. So it could be the pub, it could be that space you hang out on the corner. Um, it could be anywhere where you just kind of randomly meet up with friends. It's a, it's a very organic concept. But the fourth place begins to layer on the technology piece, right? That us um, as, as you know, 21st century like individuals are operating in these spaces where the digi digital and physical, um, the online and offline are, are getting greater and greater merged. And, and COVID really highlighted the fact that there's this intersection that happens um, in these digital spaces. And so that's the, the fourth place. And then starting to think about how, who or how are these fourth places created? Um, who are they um, made for? Um, and starting to think about how do we now influence this reality that we're actually all operating in, but haven't actually really named. Um, and so that's uh, how we, um, that's how I would define the, the fourth place. And it's just become so much more relevant as we think about COVID and finding, um, using technology and levering technology as those spaces for connection for creation and for celebration. They've always kind of been there, but it's now highlighted as extremely important. Uh, but who are the creators within those different spaces? And Ethos Lab endeavors to start bringing new faces and empowering young people to be able to contribute to that. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, the proposition that really resonates with me that Antonia offers in the, the journal entry um, and, and offers planners and communities um, alike is the capacity to bring attention to design. Um, she says to act in the fourth place. Now is a moment to act in the fourth place. And that's a really exciting part of the shifts around the purposeful evolution of anti-oppression work um, in our cities today. So 
So these intentional places created by young black builders and their families and communities will address some fundamental power issues in our cities and I think create safer places for young people to um, have fun and learn in. Beautiful. Okay, let's start from the top, right? Where it all began. Ooh. <laughs> um, Antonia, can you tell us uh, about the sort of initial inspiration for Ethos Labs and its mission and, and sort of um, maybe what the, the role of young people in this is, uh, particularly um, racialized youth and, and kind of what inspired this focus um, and, and sparked this vision for, for Metro Vancouver around it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so I'm uh, I'm not only um, in urban planning and an emergency manager or in my own career, I'm, I'm a mother to an amazing 13 year old girl. And she asked me if she could hang out at the mall, which is the typical third place for, for many uh, teenagers. And then I thought to myself, well, the mall, is that where you really want to, is, is that really where you want to go? Which is fine. But I started asking the question, where is that other kind of third place for young people within cities? Um, particularly looking at innovation spaces um, as third places. And these types of uh, innovation hubs and hack spaces have been predominantly reserved for adults. Um, so the maker labs are co-working, um, you know, going with my daughter who was uh, 13 to a space in Toronto. Um, I asked, can she get a membership to this maker space? And they were like, no, she's under the age of 18. And, and with other maker labs, you need to have an adult there. So it's not a space where young people can kind of freely go into. Um, so I saw that there was this acute issue to not being able to access those spaces. And then taking a step further, when I was trying to find programming for my daughter and thinking about these types of spaces, accessing STEM education um, has is extreme. Is, is There's some barriers associated with that, both from whether it be geography, cost, um, but there's this really um, weird network of being able to access it um, because you either know someone or you're in the private school system that are seeing huge investments in innovation spaces. Um, and so uh, I, knowing uh, how open uh, STEM and accessible STEM is um, and starting to think about the emerging technology space that Vancouver holds, um, that it just made sense to think about creating this type of uh, innovation space uh, for young people. But as I think about my daughter, who's a young black girl, um, it's one thing to start creating coding classes or workshops, but if it doesn't acknowledge her humanity and who she is as a black youth, and, and we see um, in our society what happens now when you don't acknowledge uh, the humanity of, of varying communities, um, that, it, that you end up actually just rebuilding and, and perpetuating the same uh, model. So there's no surprise that there continues to be underrepresentation in STEM, um, in, in STEM fields. Um, and so looking at Vancouver and like why Vancouver, um, I had an understanding of the ecosystem that was here around artificial intelligence, around virtual reality. And I know that Microsoft is a huge organize, uh, has a, a huge hub here for that, that it, it actually made sense to think about that particular um, space to, to be in, uh, and as well as beginning to integrate the humanity aspect to it. And so, Ethos Lab really centers uh, the humanity of the Black experience in our inclusive design process, meaning we create spaces where Black youth feel respected, protected, and reflected. And we believe in creating spaces that center uh, this humanity. It actually creates a, a, an inclusive space for all. Um, and so Ethos Lab is open to all young people, um, but it allows us to contextualize it 
with rich histories and backgrounds um, that allow us to create that diverse future that we want in STEM. Mm -hmm. You're here. <laughs> Amen. And Amy, uh, Urbanarium is an online platform about, about city making. First, uh, 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 we'll talk maybe a, a little bit about um, what brought you and, and Sonia together um, to work on Ethos Labs. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and, and also uh, a little more about the role of Urbanarium in, in this process? Yeah, well, and I mean, about um, the role of digital infrastructure playing in city making is, is you know, a question that I want to address because I think that um, digital infrastructure allows an ongoing community, um, ongoing community engagement at a time of social distancing and isolation. Uh, municipal engagement with residents went dark when the pandemic hit because of privacy limitations that they have to adhere to. And so they were unable to use like popular software like video conferencing, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, what have you, that makes it easy to connect with people. Um, and so in this time working with Ethos Lab, Urbanarium created a, um, a virtual studio for urban design charrettes that convenes an amazing cohort of illustrators and facilitators to visualize the ideas and experiences of residents pertaining to urban design and architecture. So you enter the studio, you see your ideas come to, to, to life live. And then our role too, um, as kind of a, a non-biased, unpoliticized, you know, a public entity in the city, our, our role is to share those ideas with decision makers. Um, you know, a, a smart city is one that democratizes uh, planning and embraces a variety of voices and a creative process. And so I think that's, uh, a big part of the role of digital infrastructure, um, you know, in our cities today. And Sonia and I have been friends for a while. We met um, a number of years ago working on a city stewardship group. Out of that experience, we, uh, Hogan's Alley played a big uh, part in that uh, stewardship group. Um, and we both went on to, um, you know, kind of work and advocate for um, Hogan's Alley. Um, but then we both started planning a family. We then had our family and Antonia calls me up um, as, as she's working on Ethos Lab and she hears that I got the job at Urbanarium. So I invite her into the Henriquez Partners uh, architect office that hosts the Urbanarium desk. Uh, we, we get in there and she's like, oh my God, how'd you get this job? And I'm like, oh my God, tell me about Ethos Lab. So when she describes the vision of Ethos Lab, we start talking about the Microsoft Garage. We watched the video on Sean Hunt developing uh, the transformation mask. So uh, we get in touch with Chris Richards, um, who is uh, a manager at the Microsoft Garage at Microsoft Vancouver, and he was super keen and hospitable. What we decide to do is uh, come up with a, a workshop for Ethos Labs co-creation March break camp, which was going to be a half-day experience that would in involve on-site tours of both um, Henriquez Partners architects to give the participants an idea of like, uh, a, a, you know, like a men in black style architecture office. <laughs> and right across the street is, is um, the beautiful Microsoft Vancouver office. So we were kind of neighbors and it allowed Chris and I to kind of hook up really quickly and make it happen like in a, in a physical way. Um, so yeah, so we were really keen on this workshop. Then the pandemic hits. Um, so, you know, we're all at home. No one's working from the office. A couple weeks 
um, into the pandemic, Chris and I end up uh, hooking up again over the phone and we come up with the idea for the Urbanarium Hackathon Ethos Lab Youth Take on the Fourth Place. And at the hackathon, the framing question was, how can urban design, architecture, and technology intersect in a way for youth to co-create community during this time of isolation and social distancing? And here we are, Atlantos is born. It was the winning um, idea of the hackathon. So we brought that initial concept into the Urbanarium studio. Uh, we had a kids and parents night. So the parents got uh, into one breakout room and the kids got into another. And this studio workshop was about how do you get to Atlantos anyway? It's an underwater digital arena. How are you going to get there? So this is workshopping through some of those ideas. One of the um, one of the winning concept or the one of the prizes for the winning hackathon team was the opportunity to present their idea to Gil Kelly, general manager of planning, urban design, and sustainability at the city of Vancouver. Um, uh, the Vancouver Plan team wanted to hear all of the ideas on the fourth place that came out of the hackathon. So anyway, here's what Gil had to say following uh, the presentation. With an observation about how. Um, powerful this is for me because you have taken this moment of great restriction in our lives, the stay at home and all the restrictions going on because of COVID, and use it as a moment to launch your imaginations um, and use that to transport you into a new place of your own making, your own imagination, but also a place to connect with friends and others in that in that kind of new world, which is really amazing. All, all four of those presentations did that. And you know, when I think about it as a longtime city planner, that's what we really hope and our best hopes to do with shaping cities is tap the collective imagination to create the kind of places we want to be and to share with friends and have productive and uh, fulfilling and happy lives. And so this is such a powerful um, kind of window into the use of the imagination to create the kind of places we want to create. So I really, really appreciate this. And I'm, I'm hoping Karis and company, we can find a way to use this in the in Vancouver plan. This is, this is great. And this is exactly the cohort that we want to see help develop the plan. So I just wanted to thank you all very much for that. Yeah, the whole the whole Vancouver plan team was super excited about the concepts presented that came out of the hackathon um, and uh, from the members of Ethos Lab. And one, um, one planner said to me, there isn't enough futurism and imagination being put into the Vancouver plan. So I think, you know, Ethos Lab is really shifting perspectives, offering some really new ways of creating space in, in Vancouver and Metro Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is just so exciting. And <laughs> the, the vision here, right, just as he was saying, uh, is expansive in a time when all of us have been so constricted. Mm. And 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 for this activity to begin, right, you were looking for tips on the physical hack space itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks to COVID, we were, you know, all uh, uh, sort of all collaborating with you and the Ethos Labbers as, um, as a result, as one of Microsoft Vancouver's first actual virtual hackathons um, now with the goal of, of designing this virtual space. So that's that's a huge pivot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I mean, I'm just going to come back to again. What we were endeavoring when we launched was creating 
physical creative co-working spaces for young people for them to be able to access again and i think i should make very clear the young people that were involved are between the ages of 12 to 18. Um, and so these were a lot of the great ideas that came out of them. And, and so for us, when we initially conceptualized Ethos Lab, it was, we knew that we needed to acknowledge the technological reality of young people. Um, when young people go and hang out, they're looking at their phones, they're all sharing the YouTube, you, you know, YouTube, they're all kind of around each other. They're, um, you know, that's just kind of how they interact. And so how do you meet them where they're at? And we were already kind of, we were already there in terms of, this is what should happen in terms of integrating space and technology. But what COVID did was actually accelerate us a number of years in our project plan. The vision was that we would have some sort of online platform in this, in these type, um, in terms of creating a digital community in that kind of way. Um, but because our mind was already there, it was less of a pivot and more of an acceleration into what the direction that we already needed to go. Um, so. It wasn't, uh, it definitely wasn't easy. Um, and uh, even though it was already a top of mind, but I think that the team really did come together in confidence to be able to say, hey, you know what? Let's let's just let's just do it. And um, centering again, co-creation at, at the center of all of this, that um, we would not, I would never have come up with Atlantos. In fact, when I heard Atlantos, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and so I think it's really interesting as we tell the rest of the journey, um, what it, what it, what our um, organization now looks like and manifests. Uh, now, Antonia, you uh, have mentioned that you have a history in disaster response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Perhaps made for the times. Do you feel like that experience influenced your ability to pivot ethos from physical to this virtual space during a a global pandemic? Yeah, and I think just for everyone on the call, it kind of randomly came up in a conversation <laughs> in terms of my my background. But yeah, I've spent about I spent 15 years in emergency management, managing major um, major events to forest fires to um, working in um, with Department of National Defense on emergency response. So when you are it, working with disasters, you're thinking about um, programs, plans and infrastructure to help um, mitigate or prevent disasters that are happening. And in fact, actually, Ethos Lab was created seeing the impending emergency that was, um, you know, Black youth in particular being a part of our digital future and builders in our digital future. And so creating um, a community where not only are they just, they're held with their diverse peers was extremely essential um, to um, actually being able to think through, you know, how 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 do we address this issue? Um, so I'm also an urban planner uh, as well. So Ethos Lab uh, was just like the merging of of kind of my the different sides of my being, um, and and so that was the question I got from some people. Like, did you think about this um, after COVID? Um, and the answer is that we were already we were already there um, because you can see kind of the writing on the wall, um, and COVID has really shown that um, that when you do um, exclude members of community, there are these issues around um, the digital divide is very, very real um, in, in exacerbating the isolation caused by COVID to um, we see the inequality in access um, to whether it be income disparity, health impacts, all those different things around um, exclusion. So I think um, 
what we wanted to do was again, Ethos Lab was this, this, this response to, hey, how do we make it, um, how do we actually um, address it earlier on, you know, right when they're young, to start thinking about creating not only those sex, uh, social connections and the humanity, but also, you know, giving them the technical skills to uh, to also make things real. So um, we we say that we want to create creators and and not consumers. Mm. Mm. Awesome. And it didn't stop there. Once the virtual space was designed in partnership with uh, with Microsoft, uh, then there was this opportunity for the global hackathon that came in July as a hack for good project. Um, Tell us about what happened there. What what were you aiming at to, to see kind of at the end of Hack Week? Yeah, so we had those amazing designs that Amy shared and we're like, hey, let's uh, see if we can hack and build out those digital spaces. But knowing the limitations of Hack Week, um, that wasn't exactly plausible. But we knew that we were going to have this digital platform and we knew that we were going to have this physical space. Um, and so what was great was that uh, connected with uh, Jessica to think through how do we now create a web application that actually brings all of it together to create this one window experience into Ethos Lab? Awesome. And we've got Jessica on the line. I would love to bring you in, Jessica, to maybe talk a little bit more um, about um, how word got over to you, uh, about this hack for good opportunity. Um, and uh, you actually led the team of Microsoft hackers who designed and planned an initial uh, architecture for the Ethos Lab virtual platform. Um, can you tell us about that experience and, and, and that group? Yes, yes, thank you, Ahiri. Um, so it was actually very random. Um, Chris <laughs> from the garage spoke earlier in this conversation reached out to me because I lead the Africans at Microsoft Vancouver chapter. And he said, hey, there's this, you know, team that is trying to build out this virtual space for black youth in the city. And as Africans at Microsoft, I mean, it, it was it was instant, right? It resonated so much with what we're trying to do. And it was such an easy idea to sell um, to our people. So that was how you know I came into that initial meeting with Antonia and some members of her team, and it was pretty much just breaking down what could we do in this space. And if I remember correctly, at the time it was still very much focused on that physical space and what that would look like. So maybe having people from our team going over there to lead some form of webinar or trainings in tech things, um, and just thinking back at how much things have grown and evolved to where we are right now, I'm, I'm so happy and proud to be part of this story. Here, here. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned and, and we uh, we saw a few photos, I think, uh, of uh, uh, kind of that that physical, uh, that first physical uh, set of, of, of collaborations. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, and, and can you tell us a little bit more uh, about the 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 blacks at Microsoft ERG? Uh, you you uh, you mentioned uh, them, and, and we've been hearing that come back up. How how are they involved? Um, uh, kind of in the end with this. Yeah. Um, so the Africans at Microsoft is a community within the Black at Microsoft ERG, which was formed to represent. Um, the growing and diverse African community here in Microsoft and here in Vancouver. Um, 
here in Vancouver, we have about 40 members, um, but worldwide, upwards of 800. And, you know, beyond building ourselves to be better employees, we're very intentional about capacity building within the community. Um, one of my favorite authors and speakers, Toni Morrison, said it best when she said, when you get those jobs that you so brilliantly trained for, remember that your real job is that if you are free, you need to free someone else, right? If you have some power, you have to empower someone else. So as people in this community who are so lucky and so blessed to be where we are, mobilizing for an initiative like the Eagles Lab and Atlantos through Hack for Good was just one of the many ways that we hope to empower people and minorities in tech within the city. Um, so through Africans and Microsoft, I obviously had that initial set of volunteers for the hackathon. But beyond that, through the garage here in Vancouver, I was able to recruit or influence people to join our team and join building up this web app slash platform to enable Ethos Lab to continue their mission and their vision, the dream. Um, so that's that's just about it. Yeah. What an immense opportunity and really a demonstration of what it looks like when we look at our own uh, sort of um, uh, more more globally, our responsibility than and uh, and the fact that we truly are knit together as a community and and that uh, it is a privilege uh, to be able to have the capability to bring others uh, kind of into uh, that that joint that joint uh, creative experience uh, and really make our community even stronger. So thank you uh, for that. I want to uh, and we'll, we'll highlight a little bit uh, for folks who are interested in becoming more involved uh, in activities of this sort at the end. But I, I do I want to make sure that that we get the whole story here. So following the hackathon, uh, Jessica, you and the and, and MS Van and uh, uh, really, uh, you know, that that really dedicated community of uh, of Africans at Microsoft uh, passed the baton over to Jacob, who's joining us um, with his team at Ap Active Replica. And uh, and it was Active Replica. Welcome, Jacob, who who helped build out Atlantos, the, the Ethos Lab virtual platform. Um, and it sounds like it was really just in uh, the matter of 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 a few weeks. Uh, can you tell us about this process? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I want to say thanks for having me here, and that it's been a huge privilege again having an opportunity to work on such an amazing creative project like this and meaningful, right? Um, so, re really appreciate being part of the conversation. Um, yeah, so we've got a background in augmented and virtual reality, and recently we've been exploring uh, social, accessible social spaces in uh, virtual reality, and that's how we first started the conversation with uh, Antonia. And one of the really exciting things here about um, the Atlantos project was the youth driven uh, creativity, right? So uh, all of the uh, concept art and the sketches and then the youth ended up actually uh, the majority of the content in the space itself is uh, was created by the youth. And so what we did was mostly uh, stepped out of the way as much as possible <laughs> and did the uh, technical tying together of the system that was um, necessary, but it was really uh, wonderful to enable people who didn't necessarily currently have the skills to build a space like this to be able to uh, have this vision 
and create some some assets for it and then actually see that uh come alive um and 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 really be super empowering that in that way so um yeah that's a, a snapshot of what it looked like yeah. awesome uh and it sounds like one of the biggest challenges um that uh, that you faced in in building out this virtual lantos was finding avatars that were representative of black youth that challenge really kind of shines a light on uh, Ethos's core mission, um, you know, seeing black youth in the development phases of emerging technology. Can you expand on that concept a little? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so uh, we built Atlantos on top of an open source uh, um, uh, social platform called Mozilla Hubs. And uh, a lot of the default avatars there are things like robots and elephants and penguins, but you know, not very many uh, human style avatars. There are a number of third party systems for uh, avatar creation, um, but often they aren't actually uh, as representative as we would like, obviously, or, uh, and especially for the uh, Atlantos youth, um, the ones that we did find, even if they had a representative like skin color and hair and stuff like that, they always portrayed middle aged or older people, <laughs> which again, you know, if you're if you're a little 13 year old, you know, uh, it, it's so hard to get something that actually feels um, natural to you. Um, and the uh, the process of building something from scratch, um, the spoke is, a, is also a tricky process, right? Because you want people to feel that they're uh, represented in the space. And uh, when you don't see yourself represented in the space, there's a um, dissonance between yourself and your presence within the space, right? Um, so what we ended up doing, and I'd love to get uh, Antonio's uh, input here too, is uh, we worked with the management team uh, at Ethos, um, and we decided to actually go the opposite route. Um, and so because we were working on um, getting something in people's hands as quickly as possible, rather than going um, and falling into the uncanny valley, instead we went with a, a largely abstract version. And uh, we're hoping to work with the youth um, to let them, uh, as they drove the space, drive the creation of the avatar process as well. So we went with these um, simple geometric shapes for the youth to have in the spaces there uh, as a as an, uh, platform. And then we're going to work with them to build out what they actually want to see in the space rather than us telling them the, the type of face that they're going to have. So yeah. but, um, you know, I'd love, I'd love to get some feedback from Antonio too. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, um, I remember Jacob saying to me, I don't feel comfortable handing over a platform where these kids don't feel that uh, are, are represented, right? And you know, in um, in a project that is like this, that is centered around the humanity, the Black experience, it really does push that conversation around representation. Where I know I've been in other conversations on project scope, where someone might say, "Oh, it's out of scope. We'll put in something in here." I think Jacob and Active Replica were um, operated ethically and and with um, true intention of understanding the importance of what it means to see yourself in space. And um, and and with also um, talking to our board and other uh, and, and members of our group, um, the ability for them not to just uh, dress up an avatar, but to like build an avatar is really important for them to understand those uh, those, those technical pieces. So um, when we talk about Atlantos and them seeing themselves in there, um, it was really they're worth we did 3D modeling courses so that they could put in 3D model assets in there um, and even to design. So they may not have necessarily seen themselves as avatars, but it was reflected in other ways that the there were different pieces from the pattern 
um, that is created there, which which ended up forming the carpets to the watercolor being part of the ceiling um, to some of the different pieces of art that the young people um, just developed so that they could dress the, the space. And then there's our little secret library room where the, actually the chairs and the table were made by one of uh, made by one of the young people. Um, and it's just so great to see when a young person goes inside the space and they're like, wait, I did that and and are able to show their parents that they did that. Um, it, it's so it's it's really powerful. And when we talk about again centering the humanity of the black experience and and really bringing in culture like the ground the. Uh, the floor covering is a mud cloth and, and being very intentional about putting in different cultural pieces okay. as well um, to again just try and tie it back to our our um, our, our design um, our design mission. This phenomenal piece was created by a 12 year old uh, by the name of Savion and an experienced illustrator and again this comes back to our co-creation um, driven approach. Um, this is called Afrofuturistic Playground and over the an intensive 10 days where Savion sketched for 16 hour, hours in one day as well um, to get these illustrations extremely powerful and it was around the time that Chadwick Boseman had passed away and they really wanted to honor it, um, honor his passing, um, honor the history of, of uh, African history, but as well, you can see the Vancouver mountains in the background. And and what my favorite part of the piece is the yeah. basketball net is all the way in the back, and that it's actually not about the sport of basketball. It's about the two people that are playing one on one. It's about really centering centering uh, uh, ourselves. So it was um, absolutely beautiful, and 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 Savion and, and Jabola um, out of Toronto did did a fantastic job on this piece. And so that's one of the murals that will be is found in um, Atlantos. And then you can see uh, our relationship with Urbanarium continued in bringing in the amazing uh, sketcher of uh, Kristen, who had a strong relationship right from the hackathon all the way to the end. It yeah. was just great to have that continuity. And so even when you see the carpets and the rugs that were sketched out, um, Dayquest patterns um, now um, take that space where the, 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 um, where the patterns are, but you'll see some reflections of her furniture in the space. Jacob, Amy, can you tell me about the ways that working with Ethos Lab in this first virtual hackathon shifted how uh, how you, uh, an active replica, um, uh, urbanarium, think about process within your organizations? Oh, massive shifts for us. Um, two, uh, really quickly, the two key shifts, I guess, are working with young people. Um, and working as much as possible with the co-creation model ourselves. I mean, we learned a lot through working with Ethos Lab in this whole journey. So I told you about their studio program, which kind of came out of the, the hackathon Ethos Lab um, uh, experience and relationship. But the second is a civic education program that we're developing with City Hive. And this is a 101, uh, a City 101 curriculum currently not offered in Vancouver, where K to uh, like K to 12 students in BC are uh, underprepared to engage meaningfully in uh, democratic um, institutions and and processes that affect their daily lives. So while education curriculum may cover, you know, the structure of provincial and federal governments, rarely do young people graduate with um, a yearning to become active citizens. Um, and the know how to engage with their municipal governments. So that's a really important part of this. And um, what we've started doing is pulling out um, pulling out young people from the ethos community to um, 
to be educators and facilitators um, and help other young people draw their city. So we, you know, the, the participants in Atlantos development and in Ethos, Ethos Lab in general, they're just becoming expert level city makers. So we're kind of bringing them into our larger conversations and wanting to kind of share their experience with, with young people. But it, it's shifted urban areas tremendously. Jacob? Um, yeah, and on the active replica front, um, yeah, I, uh, um, like Amy said, just tons of learning. One of the things that really stood out to me was um, the importance of uh, actual living communities uh, inhabiting these digital spaces, right? So many social digital spaces are filled with strangers, right? Whether that's, you know, uh, video games or social VR right now, or even, um, you know, your social media feeds, they're often um, strangers. And so having a, a dedicated space for people who know each other to come and the way that they spoke and engaged with each other had a type of vibrancy that you don't actually see really in uh, the current social sphere, uh, digital sphere, uh, which is really fascinating. And the, um, the, the engagement and the creativity of the youth, right, both just the type of things that they were thinking about was uh, absolutely fantastic. But also, again, one of the ways that we've been able to move so quickly with uh, Ethos on this project is the vision of uh, Atlantos as kind of a living uh, thing, right? It's not like it's it's something that's built and complete, right? It's something where it's like, okay, hey, here's a starting point. Let's see how it feels. Now let's let's take it this way and let, let's what do, the, what do the, the youth want to see reflected rather than building the whole thing out ahead of time. It's more letting letting the community also shape the space in a, in a really organic way is something that I'm really inspired by. Um, and then also the, the last piece is that um, how um, empowering it is to the youth when they're able to actually, again, see their work reflected in the real world in this particular way. And uh, the level of like, um, yeah, and, uh, creativity is empowering, right? And so like when, the, that, or rather the act of creation is empowering. And like by um, doing these beautiful paintings and seeing them in the space and by doing the 3D modeling and then having that again reflected and having all their friends, their family see it. It's, uh, it's something that I think has uh, intense uh, emotional impact. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. And and I, I, I have to say, I, I think it would be hard not to be emotionally impacted by both the story of how all this came together and this vision and walking, having a moment to be able to walk into that Atlantos experience and that vibrancy. And really, it's a, a deeper, perhaps like you were talking about, engagement that I think is really only possible when we feel a sense of belonging, when we feel intentionally included and perhaps even more so for youth who are not represented at the ballots and maybe do not feel like they have been asked to be civically engaged. Mm. Um, so so in fact this this idea of belonging and inclusion is really amplified for anyone uh, who is a part of the youth population uh, which means that any members of you know the youth population here in Vancouver could benefit from being immersed, perhaps underwater in Atlantos. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just going to quickly jump in there, even though, uh, but just that the young people that participated in the hackathon would not traditionally say that they were like STEM or tech people. You know, um, that there were varying interests. Um, many athletes, uh, many mm -hmm. 
just loving books, crafters, um, that it was their first time ever participating in a hackathon and even communicating back. I never thought I could be a part of a hackathon, you know, as like a first step to um, I never thought I could do 3D modeling. It always seems so hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think also with the Ethos Lab team, we were learning alongside with them. So that I think also made it really fun and seeing their parents also learning learning alongside. Um, I think it was was really great. So um, it's just, you know, there's a, there is a curiosity and a richness there that they just said if we just give them the tools and the opportunity to do it, yeah. they'll, they, they will do it. Um, and as Jacob said, get out of the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, so, even, even these opportunities of us all working together, per, when opportunities arise, um, providing Ethos Lab youth with more professional development, like um, Dequa going to the um, Arts Umbrella Architecture Intensive, who was, you know, we met at the hackathon, who was really involved in the studio process of building out the Atlantos idea, and, and now is, is kind of being um, trained in, in, in different ways to think about building and space and, and can apply that ongoing knowledge to the, um, the living, breathing Atlanto. So I think that that's why we, you know, the, the friendships will, will stay and when opportunities arise, just giving um, Ethos Lab youth opportunities to learn more so they can build more stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and you know, Antonia, maybe you can speak a little bit more uh, towards where you see the role of of uh, VR uh, and virtual um, environments sort of evolving in the lives of Ethos Labbers as they as they gain some more experience um, collaborating as as we've seen them already doing uh, in that world. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, Jacob and I have have many conversations around this, um, and he'll probably he'll definitely speak more uh, jumping off of this, but we do see. Again, they're this kind of um, the, the ubiquity of VR kind of coming, right? And that they need to be a part of of being able to create and build and be in that space and see themselves in the space in a meaningful way. It's not about just having um, that selection of the the black avatar necessarily that makes uh, you connect to it. It's how does the avatar move? Um, how what is how was it built? What is the intention around that particular um, being in that space that I think um, Ethos Lab in our in that desire to again bring humanity forth through technology, it's not only just like building those pieces, but like um, getting to the intention and those mm -hmm. conversations early on in the process um, with with young people to be able to think about the intention of, of their de their design and not um, you know, just as Jay Pitter talks about design not being neutral, an urban planning standpoint, design, and we know this through technology, is also not neutral, that there are biases embedded into it. And so you could also have, you know, a black person designing the avatar, but what about like the, uh, but you might, a black person who is 40 years old designing an avatar for the 12 year old, you know, like there's still that disconnect. And so I think as much as possible, if we can have the young people, in their real lives help define their own identities that they too also feel empowered to build into these spaces. And I, I think Jacob has some really great like thoughts in this uh, or just in general around the future of ARVR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, and, and I think, I mean, we're circling around the, the point, you know,
know, uh, every step of the way, which again is the um, uh, difference between uh, creation versus consumption, right? And I think as a society, we're being so uh, indoctrinated as consumers, right? And like passively letting all of the information be chosen for us. And um, that it's, uh, it's, it's almost like an act of uh, resistance to a certain level to, to realize that you can shape the world that is being created around you and um, helping you learn that as early as possible and actually uh, making the space for them to, to be creators and encouraging that, I think, is, is a really important part of the conversation. And especially as it relates to augmented and virtual reality, um, where the uh, the technology is so nascent that uh, kind of like everybody right now has a seat at the table, right? If you look at established technologies like uh, television, for example, or Hollywood, or even the internet, um, they're very rigid, right? Like they, they, they might be moving, but they're only moving because the big players are making choices to move them in particular directions, right? Whereas uh, with nascent uh, technology that's still in this kind of like liminal stage where it's figuring out what it is, um, the impact that um, a few voices can have can actually shift the direction of the entire um, lifetime of the technology, right? And especially right now, while everyone has a seat at the table and while everyone has a voice, this is a very uh, impactful time to yeah. be having these conversations because um, I think we'll see impacts um, 10 years from now based off of the type of uh, conversations that are happening uh, around these tables um, right now. Um, yeah, you, you, even one one um, slightly different example, right? But there's, uh, I, I see so much um, vocalization around the like uh, women in VR um, movement, right? There's a lot of women in VR groups. There's a lot of uh, dialogue around this um, in a way that I don't think um, I've seen that in the existing technology, Silicon Valley kind of established companies. I think the fact that we're having uh, such conversations around inclusivity right now means that 10 years from now, we're going to see a much higher percentage of uh, representation across the spectrum within the augmented and virtual reality industry compared to some of these more uh, traditional mediums. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you for bringing us full circle on that again. So. Uh, I, I want to I want to just uh, bring uh, back, you know, we're, we're really talking about um, co-creating our city, not just in a physical space, but but in in this fourth place um, and in, in shared safe places uh, where where we can interact um, even in the time of of, of major, you know, uh, uh, a global pandemic. Um, Amy. Uh, Urbanarium is a platform for dialogue about intelligent, engaged, conscious city making. Um, when nor well, when maybe folks like me um, think about city making in our minds, we we usually tend to uh, jump to buildings and infrastructure and transit systems. Um, but Urbanarium understands that a city is more than just that physical structure that's making it up. Um, so can you can you uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about more about how Urbanarium incorporates the fourth place uh, ethos lab and Atlantos into conversations about city making um, and what impacts that that can have on how cities and societies and particularly Vancouver function? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think Urbanarium really believes in the promise of cities and you know amidst the pandemic, being in a city was was fraught with a lot of 
um, inequity. Neighborhoods were experiencing the pandemic in very different ways. Um, I think the, the development of fourth place is really important when we think to the future and not kind of knowing what measures will be in place. And what's really important, and I think um, what Urbanarium is, is wanting to um, advocate for is youth driving design. Like planners struggle, have traditionally struggled to engage with young people. And fourth place is that intersection between first, second, and third. And Ethos Lab is really leading the conversation on these intersectional approaches and thinking about technology and space um, in ways that maybe uh, you know, cities, planners, et cetera, in traditional ways um, have not been able to kind of tap into um, um, that way of, of doing it. So, um, you know, how can urban design, architecture, and technology intersect in a way for young people to co-create community? I think that's what we're learning um, right now. I think that's what the city needs to, to learn, um, and I think there's an appetite for it. So digital space is really important, and that's why we're working closely, like, with the Vancouver Plan team of, of thinking about um, rolling out digital space within you know, uh, a future 2050 version of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Where do these places um, exist? How do they exist? How are they funded? How are they sustained? Um, is it, you know, a, a community, private, earned revenue model? Like, I think there's a lot of exploration into the embedding of these spaces within our, our city model. But, um, you know, this is kind of where Atlantos Ethos Lab, Jacob's work, Microsoft's work is going. That is why this is so exciting for me personally. Uh, coming to, to Canada and having a vision of thriving, uh, not just myself, but multi-generationally, coming from the US to, to this country uh, and, and being able to spark and be involved in community building that can sustain my uh, my children, their children, and future generations in a supportive community environment. I also want to to really invite the Microsoft community um, that that perhaps I'm representing a bit of, um, but uh, we, we're all uh, sort of in this together. We uh, are at a moment where we can envision what it looks like to invest, just like Jacob is saying, uh, you know, there are moments where uh, 50 people pushing now is worth 5,000 people pushing uh, when the status quo is already established. That was a Hiri Stanford CEO, host and moderator. You can read Anthonia's Urbanarium journal entry, The Fourth Place and Reimagining the City, on our website, urbanarium.org. This conversation was conceived and produced by Kia McGear at Microsoft. Thank you, Kia. Anthonia Ungendale, Ethos Lab, Jessica Udo, Chair of the Africans at Microsoft, Vancouver Chapter, and Jacob Irwin, co-founder of Active Replica. I'd also like to thank BTY Global, our youth engagement and programming sponsor, and Rosset Hemphild Architects, our City Talks sponsor. Subscribe to Urbanarium City Talks. We'll be making more. <laughs>